From the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State, and all across America and the world, this is The Big and Wild Outdoors. With your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Glenn Kinman. Devious like that. Hey, yes, welcome sir. back, everybody. It is The Big and Wild Outdoors. Uh, deep into hour number three by six minutes. Before we get to the phones, Gino, just hang on for a quick minute. I wanted to remind everybody, our good friends out at Bone Valley ATV Park out there in Mulberry, they're having what they're calling Dirt Simber. It's coming up here pretty soon, December 1st. It's going to be from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Free admission. That's right. I said free admission out to Bone Valley ATV Park. So uh, you can get out there and uh, ride around on your stuff. But... Free admission if you bring one can of food per person. That's awesome. All it costs you is a can of whatever it is you want to bring out there, and uh, you can ride out there for free. If you bring two, if you bring one more can, then the good folks over at G5 Motorsports and Textron Off-Road, they'll let you get out there and run around on one of their ATVs or UTVs. Go out and test drive it while you're out there. So for two cans of food, I can go ride. I'm ATVs. bringing two cans of gelled cranberries. Whatever. I mean, bring <laughs> Since it's no longer fit for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Run what you're brung. But uh, they'll also have light refreshments, the kids' zones, and they're going to have some drawings and giveaways while they're out there. And uh, you can go out there and ride around on all the on all the trails and the hill climbs and the training area, picnic spots, all that stuff. It's all out there. It's all going to be open. It's on December 1st out at Bone Valley ATV Park out there in Mulberry. The Dirt Simber Celebration. Oh, what fun it is to ride. That'd be fun. It is On fun. an That'd open side by side. Especially on a day like today. It'd be awesome to be out in the woods. Gino, thanks for holding on, my friend. Happy uh, Halloween. Doing, Happy Brian? Thanksgiving. It's, uh, it was so nice to see your mom on Halloween, man. She got a, a big kick out of you and all the kids. She couldn't tell who's for who's, but... <laughs> <laughs> We went uh, we went trick or treating in my old neighborhood, and uh, Gino's mom is like one of the only people left on our street that's still there. Uh, I think Betty and uh, them are still there too, but I think everybody else has moved on. But uh, when we went up for trick or treat, and I had the kids go up, and they got their candy, and uh, Gino's mom handed them their candy, and then Bart and I stood up there, and we held out a bag, and she goes, "What? I don't have any beers for you guys." <laughs> and I went. I went, don't you recognize me? She's like, uh, and I went, I'm Braden, and this is little Barty. And she went, what? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And uh, so we spent the next 35 minutes just catching up. She's like, you need to call Gino. You need to call Gino. So well, I, you called me right there in the driveway. Yeah, so. and, and then it was so funny. He goes, I got to go. My mom's calling me. She's probably telling me that she just talked to you. So Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, what's going on, man? You enjoying this weather? I know you are. Yeah, my girl's coming down from Louisville today, so I got to get the house clean, man. Oh boy, so, got to have plenty of bourbon on hand, which I already do. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to bring. Did you all see the guy that uh, took the tilapia off the guy at Crescent Lake? Went to court yesterday. Well, I get obviously you missed hour number one because uh, we spent a good uh, thirty minutes talking about that. No, fool. I was wondering if y'all had touched on that. Yeah, guy. yeah, he uh, his five hundred dollar fine and. Uh, that's about but it. No, but no charge. All charges, no record. Nope, no record, no probation, no nothing, just uh, court costs and a fine. And all the three fairies were in there to support him. Too. And, and listen, yeah. 
15 years from now, they're going to sit there and say, somebody should have seen this coming. Well, kind of like when they took the dogs away. But uh, I own horses, man, so I worry about, the, you know, that dog that dog law, that's not just apply to racing dogs. They're going to twist it around to hunt dogs and everything else. Yep, oh, it's coming. The first, the first cut has already been made on that. You know that. Yeah, yes. that's true. The foot's the foot's in the door. We said that when we were uh, when we were talking about the prop, uh, Amendment Thirteen uh, the whole time. It was like, dude, you think this is about greyhound racing? It has nothing to do about that because if you look at the wording on there, of course they didn't put that amendment on the ballot, but it literally said the humane treatment of animals. So exactly. it didn't say anything yeah. about greyhound specifically. It said animals. Well, you know the thing is, Braden, my nephew's a lead out when he's home from college. You know, there's 16 lead outs that don't have jobs, won't have jobs. I don't know how many people in the Derby Club. My neighbor works for the track. I got three people on my block that work for the track. They said that's going to, they said, they said it's going to put about 3,000 people out of work and 6,000 dogs out of a job. So, and I mean, I, I, I try to contact these people on Twitter. Um, how many dog trainers and how many greyhounds do you want to stay at your house now since you voted against it? They don't <laughs> respond to me. I don't understand what's going on. Are yeah, they really. One or two. You think they would take at least four or five of them and go ahead and feed those uh, big giant horses? You know, unfortunately, the- you know the lies I saw. People were saying these dogs are forced to race three and four times a day. It's mandatory. Just absolute lies. But nobody, you know. I mean, my mom voted against it. She voted it down. She could see through it. She's eighty years old. But the average little old lady's just going to say, "Oh, those poor dogs." Blah blah blah. When it turns out it's, you're 20 times more likely for your pet dog to be hurt than a racing dog. Yeah. Like, never never let the truth get in the way of a good story. But. They got the best of food, the best of vets, and I don't know why people don't see through all the crap. And when they retire, you see what lazy footrest puppy dog pets they make out of them. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's – or if they're, uh, if they're a champion dog, I mean, they get to sit around and get the same treatment and then get all the females they uh, ever want to see. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I know. Hey, but, i got news for you, man. If I won, like, ten races in a row and I was a dog, I'd go bust my foot in the fence. I'm going to go ahead and retire out in style. I'll be out of here. I'm going, I'm going. Yeah, well, I know that Gino and I, in our younger days, we used to spend a lot of time at Derby Lane and knew a lot of people used to go there and uh, work there. Uh, You remember Rich Evans, his mom. Sure. uh, You know, her and her husband, they were trainers. And uh, so we know the inside of that. If that that dog is, is even limping and not ready for a race, they put him aside. They massage him, like Vince pointed out. They got the best vets in the world in there. They're thoroughbreds, man. They're there to make money. And if your dog's not winning, not making money, the you know they don't just take it out back and shoot it. I mean, no, uh, you know, they no. put it up for adoption and whatever, and they turn it into these big furry kittens, like you said, footrests. Yes, sir. Yeah. But you know, you, but yeah. you know what? You take them out to Fossil Park and take them off a leash, and they turn into what? Greyhounds. They go They're nuts. gone. They want to run. They want to run. They want to run. They want to run. And they want to run, run, run. They're bred to do that. That's their breed. Let exactly. them do what they do. Every squirrel they see, they're going at it at 70 miles an hour, man. And, I mean, it's, it's in their blood. It's like taking a racehorse and trying to put a saddle on his back and go turn him into a trail riding horse. Ain't going to work too oh, good you for you. You can't do that. I mean, I've retired horses, and, uh, you know, they found second careers as ponies. We didn't eat them. You know, we found... Other homes for them. Made them in 100 jumpers. Not every horse has got the mentality, but more. Sure. I got one slow one right now. He's pretty close. He got yelled at. Next thing you know, he's going to be a pony. I didn't buy him for him to be a pony, but that's just how it is sometimes. He'd be a great pony. Yeah. You know, 
So, I mean, you get a horse off the track, man, that mentality changes. You give him a couple months off the track, a lot of them, man, you could put a little girl up on top of them. Well, that's you know, good. Get away from that competition mentality. Well, especially after you away. geld them. It kind of <laughs> takes the heat out of there. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you, know. Uh, you know, you geld them. Some of them get focused. Some are still stupid anyway. That, <laughs> that sounds like people. Yeah, kind of, sort of. <laughs> Same yeah, thing. I know. We'd be a lot better off if we could do that to dumb people, man. <laughs> well, Gino, have a great and wonderful Thanksgiving, man. We got uh, Captain Jim standing by. He wants to give us a little report, but uh, right, it was buddy. good talking to Y'all you. Y'all keep warm. Y'all keep warm going. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Go check out behind your mom's house. See if there's any snook floating yet. Well, I, I tell you what, I'll be getting some mullet here soon. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's cool, too. <laughs> I'll call you if I make some. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. See you, Gene. Later, Bye-bye. man. All right, let's go to uh, Captain Jim after the break. Sorry, I know you're ready to pull the trigger. Hang on, Vince. Jeez, Aaron. Maybe you couldn't make that 300-yard shot with a shotgun. Did I pull back? No. It's too late now. Bullet, 300 yard with a shotgun. We'll have to talk to Jim about that, too. Bullets out of the barrel. We're going to take a fast one. Brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay with us. Hang tight. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Let's go to the phones. Captain uh, Jim Pollard's been hanging around. Big Daddy. Big Daddy, what's going on, man? You freezing? Uh, no, not cold. I'm nice and warm in the house today. Oh, yeah, in the house. <laughs> uh, I guess you're not going to head out on the water today, are you? No, uh, un- unfortunately, I, I was in a uh, actually two car accidents, so my truck should be uh, ready for pickup this coming uh, Monday or Tuesday. Ooh. Side note, not his fault. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, was... how do you have two in one week or one day or what? I mean, how, many, how far luck. apart are they? <laughs> Seriously. Well, <laughs> In October, I was on my way to a charter in the morning, and I was on the interstate at like 5 in the morning. And a, a car lost control on the interstate and ran off the road and came back up on it and, and slammed into the front right side of my truck. And wow. then spun back around and hit the trailer. Oh, that's but, not good. Yeah. Well, at least you made out of that one. And uh, the second one I don't even want to know about. So, uh He's what? still yeah, he's still in trouble for the second one. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, back I got over. T-boned outside my neighborhood, and you know, neither of them were my fault. It was just you know, unfortunate uh, week that I had, but I'm okay. So yeah, it's all good. Everything fixed up. And you didn't have any of your 63 children in the car, so it was always good. <laughs> well, now uh, I got to ask you. I mean, it's probably on everybody's mind with the cold front and everything else. What are you thinking about this red tide, man? I mean, are, are we done or? We need one more good cold front to help kill all this crud, or what? I, th- I think we it'll be a combination. Um, I did get reports of some fish that were uh, were dead in uh, in the Gulfport area, but um, it was it was mostly mullet. And I know they're still actively doing the red tide cleanup, trying to scoop all these dead fish. <clears throat> but I, in my opinion, I think if we get another good one with some strong winds, it'll help blow it offshore and also drop this water temperature down yeah i think that's, that's what we the, need one of the key things is that that temperature i mean the salinity level also is effect affects the uh the red tide but we're not going to have as much rain as we would normally do in the rainy season with the cold fronts that's true and of course sugar production is down this time of year so it's no <laughs> so, uh, you guys suck <laughs> uh, but that's, but a whole, know, that's a whole other topic yeah <laughs> but, but you know what I, I found really funny we were talking about this off the air of actually an hour or so ago that uh um i think that the media of course made this extremely bad and uh 
they really I can't I think they kind of overhyped the whole adventure of the thing because uh, all the captains that I spoke to they were still catching fish. I mean, it wasn't I, I attributed to like the the red tide of the eighties still to me it seemed a thousand times worse than what we just went through. I mean, we had dead tarpon back in Riviera Bay. That's I mean, it was it was really bad back then, and uh, I think that the media kept pushing it. And I said, all these poor captains that were sitting there with people that were canceling going, well, I saw in the media that it was, you know, it's so bad. So why should we even go? So I'm going to cancel. And, and these captains are like going, dude, we're catching fish. It's not that bad. Seriously. Listen I mean, there's, to the guys that are doing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're out here every day, so we're still catching fish. Yeah. There was times when it, when it first initially started to show up in the Fort DeSoto area. I mean, it kind of, it kind of, I was expecting it, but, one morning it was, you know, everything we were rocking and rolling. And then the next morning we're sitting here catching snook and they're busting up on our chummers and dead fish would float by. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a lot of it was, and even the, the bait, it was, the bait was able to live where the red tide was what I noticed. But if you put a net on the bait, you, you stressed it. And then the bait would start to die in your well. That was the only uh, downside to the area where I was catching my bait. A lot so of people I, were I saying it was. To, a lot of people were saying it was the red tide killing their bait in the well. And well, when they we, we ran through it. a patch. We were out fishing one day. We ran through. I, I'm assuming we ran through a patch of red tide because all of a sudden we popped the well and we're like, "Oh my god, what just happened?" Yeah, if I know if I know for a fact that I'm going to be <clears> running through in an area where there is red tide, just to get to another spot, you know, shut the pumps down. And right. turn on your recirculating pumps for you know brief few minutes, get through that area, and then fire everything back up. Um, that's that's really key, and also not overstock overstuffing your well. So it takes all yeah. that oxygen yeah. out of that water so quickly; it's unbelievable. Now, uh, getting off of fishing, what are you and the uh, five thousand kids going to do for Thanksgiving, man? Uh, we're still in the plans with uh, you know the grandparents and. Uh, and trying to finalize everything, but yeah. uh, you know, Thanksgiving break obviously just started uh, yesterday when school got out. So we're uh, just getting everything planned and putting uh, putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. Wow, you're still. I, I know it seems like it was taking forever to get here, and now all of a sudden it's like, what? Thanksgiving's next week? Yeah. No way! Are you kidding? Yeah. It's like uh, last minute details. Your kids are already out of school now. Yeah, yeah, Friday was the last day. Not for mine. Yeah. Mine don't get out till Tuesday. So uh, they're, 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 there you go. Well, they oh, get wow. they get more days off during the regular stuff that other guys don't get off. Well, of. I'll have some uh, like gator nuggets Christian for you holidays? for holidays. Yeah, don't even start, Bill. Yeah, I'll have gator nuggets for you here this afternoon, buddy. Oh, can't wait for that one. Yes, sir. I have to pull the fried daddy out for that one. That's yeah, what I'm talking about. You're going to enjoy all three of them. We got three boxes of Gator Nuggets. Oh, I thought you said you had three Nuggets. No, we got three boxes. Oh. I was say, he ain't dropping just three Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's Here got, you go, brother. He's got, he's Enjoy. Got, he's got 2,600 kids to feed. He's got a lot of... How do we go from 65,000 to 5,000 to 2,600? Make up your mind, dude. Actually, you could add them all up, and that's his number. <laughs> so, you know, he's. Uh, I think he's a uh, Mormon with 17 wives. He's, I don't he's know. starting a fleet. Come on. Is that what it is? That's what we're doing. We're starting <laughs> right. a fleet with all the kids. <laughs> 
<laughs> Pollard Fishing Industries, all run family owned and operated. All 146 kids of us. Yeah, and we got we got a fleet. Yeah. Well, I, I have a great and wonderful Thanksgiving, man, and uh, I hope you're out there getting some fish because I know that it's going to get a little tougher for the next couple of days if the wind blows. We're, but we're going out next Saturday. Oh, by next Saturday you'll be we'll fine. Be, we'll be good. Fish will be all uh, trout acclimated. Be, trout will be popping. Yeah, sheep's head this time of year, man. Fat, firm. Oh, yeah. This is the time oh, of year, man. Oh, sheep's head, the, the trout, and even redfish. I yeah. Mean. Yeah, exactly. Hey, get those uh, blades out because we're not, we're not filleting them sheep head by hand. <laughs> get no, that saws off. I got a new technique on filleting those uh, sheep head. I'll, I'll show you when we when we get into them. It'll, it, it, it changes the game on filleting really? sheep head. If you start at the yeah. gill, if you go back up against the gill, then turn the knife and go uh, use the gill plate back that way, it's a lot easier. Because they do have huge scales on them, man. I mean, it's, it's a whole lot easier if you go fishing with Jack, the the captain there and just say, hey, could you clean those? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can do that, too. They're, well, they're, the, key, the key is not just the scales, but the key is they, their rib cage is so thick. Yep. Uh, is try to angle your blade from their backbone um, towards the rib cage, but leave leave the ribs on the on the fish. So angle that blade when you're filleting it. You're basically when you're done with that fillet down the side, all you have is skin. You have no bones in that fillet. Huh, really? Uh, I'll be curious to see that technique. I yeah. want to see that one. See how that works. I'll video that one for you when he does it. Yeah. I'll send it to you. That would be uh, the proper new way to clean a tip of the week. That'd be a good tip of the week because trust me, we do it the old fashioned. I knew a guy used to do them like mullet, split them down the back because the ribs were so thick, and then he would just break that top rib and kind of separate it and clean it from the backside. Yeah, they, they would the definitely. Uh, you know, when I discovered doing it that way, I was able to just use my normal fillet knife. But the old way, I would have to bring like a uh, an old like boning knife, basically, yeah, but just to knife. crack through those ribs. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why pair Bubba, of loppers. That's why Bubba blades are <laughs> so popular these days. It's like a mini machete it helps you clean through anything. Well, have a great, wonderful Thanksgiving, Captain Jim. We appreciate you giving us a call and a report today, and uh, we hope to see you soon, man. Absolutely. Thank you. I'll yeah. see you this afternoon, brother. See you, buddy. See you, buddy. Right, Captain, Captain Jim Pollard with uh, Big Daddy Sport Fishing. If you uh, want to book a trip or anything like that, uh, you can always look him up on Facebook or BigDaddySportFishing.com. Uh, you can call Vince at home and uh, just get the number from him. Or he'll probably be on the boat tagging along. I'll be on the boat. You are such a leech. Oh, Hanging on that guy. Don't, don't hate because you're not going. Whatever. Hey. Is Lamprey. His Lamprey is his new nickname. <laughs> Atlantic. You're number one, Bill. Good thing we don't have video in here. Number Lamprey. one, we get another nickname. <laughs> oh, speaking of big daddies, Steve Austin's in the house. What are you doing, man? Happy Thanksgiving. It's not Thanksgiving yet. It's it almost be. Thanksgiving. Dude, it's going to be. I, I can't well, I'll, give... be, I'll be here as usual doing nine or ten shifts on Thanksgiving. Oh, that's uh, good for you, man. Uh, you'll be on Q105 here, here for on about. The Steve Austin Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what are you doing today? Are you on the uh, queue or on Q105, Q105? 10 to 3, and then uh, QYK 4 to 8. You are. Which actually I love, though. I love doing it. I know you do. I, you know what I love? It's kind of like, uh, what was that radio guy who used to uh, like do a morning show in Chicago and then do afternoons in California every single, or Texas, oh, yeah. every well, single day? a lot of sports talk show hosts that do that now. It's you know they fly across the country every single I love day. It. Well, now they don't fly. I mean, uh, there's one guy and I won't give him a plug because he's not in our company, but uh, he does a show in Boston in the morning, 
And then he goes home, sleeps two or three hours, and comes back and does like 8 to midnight in California. You think a radio guy wow. with Steve's experience would actually talk into the microphone? So well, you know, I'm, I'm, trying, <laughs> I'm trying not to sit in this guy's lap for a minute. Oh, Bill George wouldn't did, mind did if you, you said show, his... Did you show Bill the deer that my buddy killed? I we did. Just, we just looked at it. The oh, one from Lord. Texas. The one in... Uh, the no, one he, in... he killed it actually in Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky? Yeah. Oh, there man. you go. That you sound better. He is one of those whoa, guys. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You sent a picture? Who? Steve or Brady? Steve. Steve no, sent a picture. To my friends. Oh. Not, yeah. I didn't post it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. God forbid. Did it have blood on it? Oh, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't post dead animals on Facebook. I know better. No, this thing. Look, I showed you this picture, man. He's uh, yeah, clean. He I, looks I, I nice. I that thing at score. That, that thing's a honker, man. I, you know what? Bill George, what would you think? I know that it's kind of taken in the back of a truck, but... That's well over 200, oh, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, easily. It may, be, yeah. it may even be hovering around three. But he's one of those guys, and we all know one, like like my cousin Casey, who could walk in the woods right here at the end of the parking lot and run up on a 10-point. <laughs> he he's one of those guys. He'll, he'll text and say, going deer hunting, got invited to this place, and then uh, next day he'll he'll post a, you know, a, a 12-point. Yeah. Well, we used to say that about Glenn Kimmon. He could actually shoot an 8-point in any parking lot at Walmart. Uh-huh. I mean, seriously, it doesn't matter where it is. I, I bet you he could hit a 300-yard yeah, bullet. Maybe. I bet you Steve could do it. Steve, I don't know. 12-gauge, 300-yard shot all day long? With a 12-gauge? Oh, no. Not well, the slug, maybe. But. See? <laughs> told maybe. Well, the horn, it's he, easy. It's easy. It's I easy think we should get a break. Steve Austin. He's pl- sitting right next to me when I shot a hog with a slug from about 150 yards. Yeah. It so. didn't kill him. <laughs> Knocked the wind out of him and he got up and ran off while we were high-fiving. <laughs> what are you trying to say? We got to go to break? Uh, we got to go to break. She's turning the music up. All right, Steve, get out of here. You're bothering us. All right. I love you, man. Go have a good day and happy Thanksgiving, my friend. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Sorry, Aaron. Welcome back, everybody. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We are uh, hanging in the studio today. Steve Austin just uh, took off out of here. And I love it when he comes in and they interrupt everything. I know, but it, it's very distracting because we start talking about stuff. <laughs> like we're getting on the CMAs for this year, All man. I hear is, we're coming back in 30, coming back in 10. Yeah. Get, on, get on the mic! Aaron's over there clawing at the glass. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he'll be on. Uh, what did he say? He's on QYK, QYK first or Q105 first? I can't remember. I don't know. He's Q105 first. Yeah, QYK. There you go. And uh, uh, apparently, uh, he'll be there uh, all day Thanksgiving and Friday as well. So, uh, so if you're a Steve Austin's fan, show up some turkey, bang on the door, yeah! and say, "Steve, come eat," or you can just leave it on his cot down in the lobby. <laughs> he'll be down there. You can just eat it while he's on his his cot couch. Uh, we're sitting here talking a little bit of hunting this last hour because it's a beautiful day. And of course it's a doe weekend in the uh, sea zone, right? Bill George? Correct. Sea zone. So, uh, hopefully uh, everybody has good luck out there today. Steve actually came in to brag about that Kentucky deer that his buddy shot up there. That thing is pretty. That is a monster buck, but, um, talking about it, get that first cold front. We all start feeling it. Uh, his grandson is uh, wanting to get out in the woods already. My kid's already beat me up to get out there and hurry up with his rifle and get her done so he can uh, go up there and kill everything that Bill George makes him pointed at. I want to go get some hog. Actually, uh, hogs are tougher right now. That's what I've heard. And I don't know if it's because of the uh, it's just dry and there's 
Well, I've heard a lot of good reports that there's a lot of acorns on the ground in a lot of different places. And uh, some people are saying there's a lot. Some people are saying there's not. And uh, so, you know, if you get a good tree or a good place where there's acorns on the ground or something like that, the hogs are not going to be that far. Well, neither will the deer. And the thing is, with the property in which I hunt, it's it's in fairly close proximity to Lake Panasovsky. <laughs> and they turn around and, and the, the pigs kind of move closer to the property and further away with the water level of the lake. You know, it just seems to be the best correlation I have. And right now we're not inundated with a bunch of pigs, which most people who hunt deer are glad not to have a bunch of pigs. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, they, they wander. They they'll do. be back. They'll be back. Oh, they, be back. They're, be they come. Back. Hey, three weeks from now, all of a sudden it could be totally different. I, I was talking to uh, two weeks. I was talking to my good buddy, uh, Pasqualini yesterday. And he's like, dude, for the longest time, I mean, uh, hogs were eating all my corn, everything out of the feeder. They were there. They were they were just going everywhere. And for the past month, they, they've been gone. He's yeah. like, I, you can't find them. And he goes, I don't know if it's because of all the poachers that are running through there with uh, ATVs and running dogs, or uh, they just decided to move on and find someplace else, and they'll be back. Well, last weekend after, after uh, what, Sunday I went out, and Sunday morning got out there in my tree stand, and all of a sudden, behind me in the pond, I kept hearing something walking around. And it's like, ooh, what's that? You know, and I, I gave a grunt out. And a little bit later, next thing you know, I hear some more grunting and grunting and more water splashing. And I don't, I never saw a, a pig go, but I mean, it sounded a lot like pigs. But then next thing you know, I had a young buck underneath me. How'd that and, grunt sound? Burp. <laughs> Uh, that's a little high pitched, but that would be a buck that would get his butt completely kicked. Yeah. You know, it's really funny when you talk about grunt sounds and how deer, uh, they evaluate that. If you use light, a lot of experts will tell you if you use big, heavy horns, yeah, they crash together and they sound really good. The the clicking sound or the, no, it's not clicking. It's, it's loud. It's a deeper tone and deer actually instinctively know that. That's two big monsters that are out there fighting it. Do I want to go get involved in that or not? No. And a lesser buck sometimes will back off of that. I have they tell had, you these lighter tine. Uh, I, in Florida, have been banging some antlers together and had two spike or a spike and a four point come running in. Then they see each other and they start to fight right out in front of me. There you go. Well, you know, it's really funny because when you hear all those things, uh, I, I, it goes perfect for what I got in my hand. The 10 myths about white-tailed deer and their movement, which I thought was really good because uh, we all hear these things, you know, like uh, you can't use heavy-handed, uh, you know, antlers because it'll scare off lesser bucks and uh, you want to use something light and you get all these things like uh, you don't pee next to your tree stand or into a, a scrape or any of that stuff. And some people do, some people don't. And uh, it's, it's all in what you know because one person can have an experience like you did. Listen, where you, listen, I got a question for you. Okay. If, if Luke Ferrigno and uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the days were getting into a fight, are you going to not go over there to look? Uh, I'm watching right now. I'd actually, yeah, yeah, I would actually go see that. I would. I would. There's, but uh, you know what? If I was, uh, if I was ten or twelve years old. 
I would probably starve. I'd be looking from a very long distance no, away, no. and I wouldn't want to get too close. I'm going to sit there and say, if they're fighting over her and they're busy over there, I'm going to see if what she, she's doing. What she's doing. What she doing now? Yeah, I, I understand the, they the will, whole philosophy. They will sneak in there. Well, now you're thinking like a human being, so that that no. also has a lot of play in some of these myths. But I thought this one, which we talked about a little bit last week. Uh, uh, myth number one is a high winds limit deer movement. And I said, dude, if it's because when Glenn was up in Illinois, it was like, man, it's getting kind of windy. And, you know, I didn't want to get out there. And I was like, dude, deer move in the wind. Don't worry about that. Go. Researchers monitored uh, 1,700 total days of deer movement back in October. And the result that wind did, in fact, impact deer movement, but not in the way you'd think. Deer moved more during the daylight hours on days that the winds were above 10 miles an hour. Than they did on ten on days when the wind was slower. At night, however, deer moved less during high winds when they were present. Uh, number two, the myth: the moon phase impacts deer movement. Moon phase has little or no impact on deer movement. Period. This data also comes from Penn State, and uh, they said the final word on the whole lunar thing using GPS collared whitetails. The PSU researchers gathered two years' worth of data, found absolutely no correlation between lunar phase and deer movement patterns or trends. Other than time of day. Other than time of day. Uh, Myth number three, bucks will roam far and wide during the rut. In reality, some might, but most won't. Multiple studies using GPS tracking have confirmed that the majority of bucks stick to their core uh, home ranges during the rut, and those core areas are pretty small. Think about 15 or 20 acres small. Of course, every buck is unique, and some indeed go on excursions well outside their core area, but by and large, the rut hits hard. They stick close to home, which, you know, that was one that I always thought, you know, they're going to be out wandering wherever they grow. Now, there are instances where a buck will get his butt kicked and chased out of his range and move on to another place, but that's totally different than just wandering. Uh, And all these studies are done by who? Penn. Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, although not all of them, older bucks control and cover more territory as they age. And in South Carolina, their researchers performed a study on 36 different collared bucks and determined that age plays a role in the bucks' range. The smallest home range, 60 to 90 acres, were held by yearling bucks. The largest home range, 640 to 754 acres, were established by yearling bucks. While it's true that some older bucks four years or older had home ranges covering about 500 acres, many had areas much smaller, as few as 108 acres. So they figured they lived long enough. Let's go wander. Well, Take our know, chances. You know, if it's, it's just your backyard, you know it, you love it, you're going to stay more of it. So uh, why go someplace where you don't know? And uh, could probably possibly have to fight this all over again and establish whatever. The October lull is a real movement deer killer. What? The October lull is a real deer movement killer. No. Saying in October, the rut's over, deer aren't moving as much, blah, 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 blah. Again, using the GPS study, they debunked this myth. Deer movement virtually across the board steadily and reliably increases through the month of October. There is no lull. There quite likely is a shift in movement locations based on changing food sources and increased hunting pressure, but there is no lull in the movement. Yeah. Uh, The people don't react as fast as the deer do. That's true. Uh, Number six, the myth, weather makes deer move. 
Research indicates that deer movement does not increase, or it does increase during periods of temperature change, but overall weather does not play a significant long-term role in overall deer patterns. It's especially true during the dusk to dawn movement. Deer are most active during those periods, so regardless of the weather, they're still going to move. And they're still going to move around dawn and dusk. With the exception of when the snow gets so deep and they yard up. Uh, That is true on that one, too. Number seven myth, hunting pressure will get deer moving. Duh. Make them squat. The Auburn University study showed that hunting pressure does not get deer on their feet. And if it does, it has them moving to places where hunters aren't. That study showed that after about 12 hours of hunting pressure, bucks are a whopping 50% less likely to move during daylight hours in an area where they felt any hunting pressure. So all it does is it doesn't make a move. It just makes them hunker down and wait till dark. Boom. Uh, We'll go through the other uh, three when we get back. Uh, There's some pretty good ones on here. You came close. uh, He almost did it. He almost almost did it. it. I almost made it through 10. All right, we're going to take a fast break. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by Brandon Ford and G5 Feeding Outdoors. Black Friday's coming up. Be ready because they're having a good one out there at G5 Feeding Outdoors. Having one now at Brandon Ford. Go see them today. Hey, welcome back. This is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden, Vince, Bill, and Aaron, we're in the studio today. Uh, happy birthday to uh, Glenn's grand- uh, grandson. He's going to be a big four years old today, so there's a big party out there at his place. And Jonathan's up in uh, Marion uh, helping out uh, some folks up there, some of his relatives that are uh, cleaning up still from the hurricane. So he'll be up there at Chainsaw Mary all day today. So uh, not too much hunting going on around here except down in C-Zone and lots of other people on a beautiful day like today. I'll probably uh, get out. Uh, we were going over the uh, 10 top 10 deer myths that we were, uh, deer movement de- uh, that we were doing before the break. And we stopped at um, number seven, which was hunting pressure, get deer moving, which turned out to be not true. Uh, number eight, uh, deer move more or less during the rain. Uh, Penn State University uh, indicated that rain had absolutely no impact on deer movement unless you're talking about bucks. Interesting, the study found most, almost no impact on the movement patterns of does during the periods of rain. But bucks moved considerably less. The study was conduct, conducted during the month of October, though, so it's entirely possible that the results would be quite different in November. Well, I guess it's full rut up there during there during November. Well, yeah. Well, November, my brothers were seeing many bucks running around. They were seeing six and seven bucks a day. And my brother shot a real nice 11 point and um, another brother um, hit, but uh, started raining right after he he shot an eight point and they were tracking it. And then all of a sudden um, they lost the blood and they, he was searching for that deer for two days. Um, Well, but. We'll, we'll we'll be up there. We'll hopefully. Well, number nine. Number nine. The uh, rut movement slows down when it all of a sudden gets warm. Well, yeah, that can't you can't because it's too hot to move dirty. You day. can't say that here in Florida because that absolutely has no problem. Uh, study after study has shown that the rut will occur at nearly the same time each year. FWC has proven that, and this proves that by the date of spring fawning periods, back date from the fa- from the time that fawns drop. 
and have the date of conception. The date occurs about the same time each year, regardless of the weather or the moon phase. But breeding can happen under the cover of darkness just as easily as it happens during the daylight. And uh, sometimes when the temperatures soar, the rut just shifts over and says, hey, we'll make a night of it instead of a day of it. You know what I'm saying? It would be a nighttime date instead of a daytime date. Does that make sense to you, Bill George? You're looking at me with a blank look. Well, you say it, it doesn't <laughs> impact it, but then you're saying it does. Well, it, they're saying it, do, it slows when it warms. So pick one. Yeah. Of course it slows when it's warm. It's too hot to move around. Well, just do it in the dark. Uh, number 10. Uh, public land deer, uh, public land deer flock to private land during the deer season. We've all heard this. They all run over there, man, to the sanctuary. It's all going to be over there. And they just hide out and wait till all the shooting's no. done. And then they well, come back. They, they tend to go to sanctuary areas, well, but yeah. that's not necessarily on private land. That's true. Another study up at Penn state university found that whitetails living on public land, didn't flee to unhunted private lands. Instead, they simply relocated to public areas that were harder for hunters to access. Like a four-year-old clear cut? <laughs> yeah. And thus uh, delivering less hunting pressure. As And how far off the road were those areas? Not far. The study showed that the majority of public land hunters choose locations within one-third of a mile from where they parked. Walk a bit further, better yet, walk a bit further and uphill and you'll likely find public land whitetails still willing to roam a bit during the daylight. So you just got to go where they are, and you ain't. And I know we the name of the game, cat and mouse. During during General Gun, that was the rule of thumb when you went to places like Tide Swamp, Steinhatchee, Gulf Hammock, all that stuff, where you had a lot of a lot of trucks, a lot of people in the woods. Head to the coast and head towards the Gulf of Mexico, where it's thick, nasty, wet. Because nobody wants to go back there. Dudes don't want to wade through waist-high water to get out there when it's this temperature outside. Uh, you know, and those deer are sitting back there going, don't worry, they ain't coming back here, man. And no, then, I, I, and then we know, fools would show up. I, I turn around. I constantly use that, that theory. I try and get in way before the average person be sitting in my tree stand, relaxing before they start entering in the woods. And all of a sudden, it come close to daybreak, and you could start hearing trucks off in the distance and and whatnot and next thing you know they all start bumping into the woods and they're bumping whatever they bump to you yeah well sometimes hey, that works before we get out of here i got i want to say one thing what tall our military families men and women out there thank you have a happy and safe thanksgiving because we're not gonna be here next week good for you what do you we mean do. you're not gonna be here next week well, When's Thanksgiving, oh, Thanksgiving on Thursday? Thursday? Oh, so Thursday? I thought you were talking about next Saturday. Because <laughs> no. no, obviously, because Bill George is going to be gone for the next two Saturdays. So who's yes. doing the show? You and Aaron? I just me and Aaron. I guess it's going to be us. Because I get your no, A game, girl. I have no idea when Glenn and uh, and Jonathan are coming back. I have no idea. Know your zones. Know your zones. It may be it may be all Beasley all the time. Steve Austin on every channel on every station. <laughs> He's going to learn to speak Spanish soon. He'll be over there on uh, Tropical here pretty soon. So he'll be. They give you a ninety eight seven soon. He'll be the Ryan Seacrest of the Beasley. He will stations. be. He'll be in here. He'll be doing the Big and Wild on ten ten. Then after, after he leaves here, he'll run down to Q one hundred five, do four hours, and then go do the rest of the day over on QYK. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, hey, seriously, what I want to reiterate exactly what uh, Vince just said. I know that there's a lot of folks out there that won't be home with their families for Thanksgiving. For sure, they're out there serving their country and doing things. And 
Let's not forget all the uh, police officers and firemen who also had sitting yep. there waiting for the call on um, Thanksgiving Day, too. So we have a lot to be thankful for in this country, that's for sure. And uh, if it was such a bad place to live, there wouldn't be uh, thousands and millions of people trying to get into it every single day. Totally agree. Because I don't see anybody taking on the caravan trying to get over into Canada. Best country in the world. Or over into Russia or China or France or Germany. I don't know. It's just one of those things. You know, I think we should start a caravan and just see if we can go back and take over Cuba. It's only 90 <laughs> miles away. It's an easy boat ride. We got the technology. We could do it. Are you in, Bill George? No. Why? Why? Yeah, why not? It'll be Bay of Pigs, too. It'll be Adventure awesome. of a lifetime. What hunting season's over there? Sign uh, here. <laughs> you know what you we said do? There's pigs there. Yeah, I yeah. look at it this way. If they, I always said if they ever opened up uh, Cuba, then we're going to have to run down there and buy about uh, 5,000 acres, and then I'm going to import a bunch of axis deer and just turn them all loose. That'd be awesome. Turn them all loose. Nice tropical deer down there running on the islands of Cuba. It'd be a nice hunt down there. Leave the whitetails here in America. That's like a $5,000 hunt. Well. We could make some money. I ain't paying that much money for no axes, dear. Not if we're running it. They could pay us. Oh, yeah, that's true. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, Bill, Vince, Thank Aaron, you, sir. everybody. Have turkey, ham, whatever you want. Vegan turkey. I don't care. If you're getting in late and want to listen to the podcast, hopefully it'll be up soon, too. Yeah. To- don't tofu forget, turkey. Don't forget, man. There's over 400 shows right there waiting for your very ears. We love you. We'll see you next weekend. This is the Big and Wild Outdoors. See you guys. Have a great and wonderful weekend. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.